Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 102 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 157 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was NXT going down live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And this was the go-home show for NXT Vengeance Day going down this Saturday from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, you know, I like NXT a lot. And I don't know if they're counting this version of NXT. But the selling point for this weekend's show is that NXT is going to have their biggest show ever. And I'm thinking to myself, Black and Gold NXT would like to have a word or three about that. Because let's not lie to ourselves. The biggest NXT event that ever happened outside of Florida is NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1 back in 2015. There have been greater takeovers since then, but that is the gold standard of leaving Full Sail, selling out a building in NY, and being able to say we are NXT. Boldly and proudly, and that set the tone for many years. Now, this reboot of NXT, I will say this move is important this weekend because this is the first time in three years, that we're not going to have a show in Florida on a Saturday night. It will be in another state in prime time, and that is a big deal for the talent. That is true. And I hope that sets the tone for future shows later this year on the road. The atmosphere should be really good. The card looks strong. And we'll see how it all turns out on Saturday. But I don't like the hyperbole of saying biggest NXT event ever. I've seen 30 plus takeovers in the last seven or so years. So don't play in my face when it comes to history because we know what's up. So if you want to push NXT 3.0 as the way forward to push future events, fine. But let's not ignore the history that laid the foundation for where we're going to be on Saturday. First time in three years outside of Florida in prime time on a Saturday night. You got to love it. But outside of that small quibble, I will say this was a solid go-home show, but this has been a culmination of weak television shows for NXT over the last month or so. I thought they had really good momentum heading into Deadline, and it's kind of fallen flat since then. And it's reflective via the television ratings that have been flat as well. Flat shows lead to flat viewership, and hopefully they bounce back via this show on Saturday, which should lead to stronger TV heading in to set and deliver in LA during WrestleMania weekend. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about last night's show. Very briefly, I want to touch on the Creed Brothers versus Indashir. And this was a very rare case of the Creed Brothers being dominated by larger opponents. Julius Creed is known to big hoss, kick ass, but he was grounded by Veer and Sangha throughout this match he was trying to tackle both men to a point but they overpowered him and this was the rare case of Julius being the babyface in peril until Brutus makes a tag and he's the Chanel clotheslines suplexes to veer he takes out Sangha at ringside and then Julius who's been through it this entire match gets the hot tag and he is going to deliver his own suplexes to veer a setting moonsault followed by one by Brutus Brutus is going to spear Sangha through the ropes and then we have Julius fucking Creed lift up Veer Mahan uses his core strength to lift him up three times and deliver a power bomb for a very close near fall. He lasts a signature slam and goes for the forearm smash until Jenna Mahal distracts him. Ivy now confronts Jenna Mahal on the ring apron, and in doing so, Julius Creed is going to accidentally bump Ivy now off the ring apron. She takes a bump on the floor, and Julius is shocked by this. 
Brutus checks on Ivy now, but in doing so, Julius runs into the Million Dollar Lariat by Vera Mahan. Vera makes a tag to Sangha, and Sangha chokeslams Julius Creed for the win. Brutus is too late to break up the cover at the last minute, and Indashir stands tall as the Creed brothers and Ivy now recover on the floor as his feud must continue because Indashir won on a very shady note. The match was a combination of a big cost battle and some rough spots in between because in some cases everybody in this match is still fairly green in the ring but they pulled it off and for that I thought this match was a success at the end of the day. Next up was Zoe Stark versus Indy Hartwell and this match was all right. Indy delivers a couple of big boots to Zoe Stark to rock her for a bit but Indy ends up making a mistake that bites her in the end when she goes for a springboard elbow that she has not tried since the disaster against Lash Legend last year and Zoe Stark strips her on the ropes and she hits the Flipping GTS for the win, and Zoe Stark continues to rack up wins in NXT. And Indy Hartwell, you know, I think she's plateaued on this show. She's been here for quite some time. Her work is still so-so, and I want more growth for her, but she's a great character, and I think she'll be valuable on Monday Night Raw with Dexter Loomis at this point. But that's up to WWE if they want to move her on up between now and hopefully the end of WrestleMania season. Next up is Wesley talking about his North America Championship match against Dijak this Saturday at NXT Vengeance Day. Dijak comes out to talk about winning the championship from Wesley, and then for reasons, Von Wagner comes out, claims he's been overlooked. He wants his shot as well. And this leads to a confrontation between Dijak and Von Wagner. And this leads to a match between the two men in Promptu style. And it's actually not bad. Von still has a ways to go. But I like that he took the fight to Dijak. It was a physical bruising battle. Both men delivering some stiff clotheslines some shots and slams as well. At one point, Von Wagner delivers an avalanche butterfly suplex to Dijak for a very close near fall. But Dijak is going to maintain control, big boot him, lock him in a sleeper and hit feast your eyes on Von Wagner for the win to gain a little bit of momentum heading into his North American Championship match against Wesley this Saturday at Vengeance Day. The heat level for this match should be interesting because Dijak is a very shades of gray character and Wesley is a baby face, but the dynamic of what they can do together is going to be very interesting. Dijak is a hybrid guy that can whoop your ass via some bruising offense, but can take flight when need be as well. I want Dominic Dijak to be present in Charlotte, North Carolina this Saturday. I want him to put on a show. I want people to be reminded how great he is. And I think he'll show up and show out and Wesley will do crazy shit as well. And this could be a sneaky great match. I want Dijak to remember what he did with Keith Lee three years ago at NXT TakeOver Portland. The last true blue takeover in front of thousands of people. I want him to unlock that and elevate it against Wesley on Saturday. Next up is... The best match from last night's show, Tyler Bade versus Zach Sam. This was a babyface versus babyface matchup, and it was everything. Their technique is fantastic. It's a wrestling clinic, smooth as silk. Both guys just picking up the pace and intensity, which I greatly appreciate. And they just work their asses off. They have experience working against each other in NXT UK because we all know Axiom is a kid and they're playing it for jokes right now. But this guy is so good. And at first I was very apprehensive about Axiom wearing a mask, but he pulls it off. He works from head to toe and he makes me believe in everything he does in that ring in the best possible way. So in a highlight, as we go picture in picture, we come back and Talibate is spinning 
axiom around in an airplane spin. Their rotation is everything. I will stand by the fact that the best rotation spin was bait to done at NXT TakeOver Chicago back in 2017. That match was so special and the spinning was incredible by Tyler Bate. In a funny spot during this match, Tyler slows down. He gets a little bit dizzy, disoriented, but then he picks up speed again to spin, axiom around some more, the pops the crowd. Then it's all about technique, transition, submissions, encounters, which is so good. And axiom is going to rock Tyler Bate a couple of times with a rough kick to the face. But then Tyler Bate goes for the Tyler Driver 97. Axiom counters up with the Huracan into a roll-up. But then there's a counter to the counter, and Tyler lands the Tyler Driver 97 for the win over Axiom. A really fun matchup. Mutual respect for both guys who put on a show for this crowd that appreciated the work they put in. Then we have Damon Kemp attack Axiom from behind because he's not about this sportsmanship stuff. He wants to be all about himself and forget the spirit of competition in terms of good guy versus good guy. We have Tyler Bate make the save, but this sets up potentially a really fun match between Damon Kemp and Axiom. Kemp is a collegiate wrestler and he's very good in the ring for his level of experience. So I expect Axiom and Damian Kim to have a pretty fun match possibly next week on NXT. Next up is Toxic Attractions, Jesse Jane and Gigi Dolan taunting Roxanne Perez during a split screen interview. I don't know when the light was switched on Jesse and Gigi, but they've been great promos the last couple of weeks. There was an ease, a comfortability, and them just talking their shit and sounding unscripted, which was very nice to see. And they were relentless against Roxanne Perez during this segment as Roxanne was talking fondly about her appearance at the Women's Warrior Rumble this past Saturday on Peacock. And <laughs> Toxic Attractors is where you didn't win. You didn't finish the job. You're back here, and now you're going to lose the championship to us at Vengeance Day. You're going to go back to Texas and tell them that you made the big time for a little bit, but it was fleeting, and Jesse was just relentless, saying that you're not going to amount to anything. You peaked at 21. We're going to take you down. You're going to be irrelevant when it's all said and done. Toxic Attraction is going to remind you why they are the attraction, been the attraction, will remain the attraction on NXT for years to come. They were in their bag, and I love it. Where was this? six months ago I read them for filth about three or four weeks ago on this show and they have turned shit around and I'm kind of rocking with them as a duo but Gigi slipped a bit when she says that I would win the championship on Saturday then she switches to we and Jesse gave her the side eye and Roxanne Perez was pissed off during this interview she walked away and she went backstage to beat up on toxic attraction and she wore them out and we had security try to break things up I love Roxanne's fire she's got to combat against two women that won her title but when push comes to shove when the chips are down when it's one-on-one if Roxanne Perez is indisposed of and is down the Jesse Jane and Gigi Dolan who's going to swing on who first Who's going to pin who first? We'll see how it goes this Saturday. Could be a sneaky good match when it's all said and done. And dare I say, this might be the most well-built NXT Women's Championship match since the reboot in 2021 and the re-reboot last year. Then we have a coven being formed between Isla Dawn and Alba Fire. And Alba Fire says, if I can't beat him, I'm going to join him. I'm going to join his coven. I'm going to put a spell on the NXT Women's Division, go after these NXT Women's Tag Team titles. And despite the hocus pocus of it all, I kind of dig the vision. And they could be a cool, creepy tag team, but keep the spooky shit to a minimum. We get that enough from Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Let's keep the supernatural stuff to a minimum here 
on NXT, even though I like the rich qualities of Arla Dunn and Apple Fire swing up trouble together on Tuesday nights. Next up is the debut of Stevie Turner versus Danny Palmer. And Danny has some nice moments here and there, but this is about Stevie dominating in this match as Danny got caught between the ropes and Stevie delivers some stiff boots repeatedly to Danny Palmer. Eventually she hits her with a big boot followed by a nice DDT that should have been the finish. She goes for a Uenagi, not as impressive for the win, but she has presence. I like how she carries herself in the ring. She's a star. We'll see how she fares in NXT moving forward as the women's division continues to evolve with talent that could stay claim to the women's championship sometime very soon. Next up is our semi-main event involving Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey. And this match is all about grappling technique submissions. This was a wrestling clinic that some fans kind of sat on their hands for because both guys are kind of shade of great characters. They're not good. They're not bad. They're somewhere in the middle with Drew Gulak leaning towards being a heel when need be. We got Hank Walker at ringside supporting Drew Gulak, his teacher and mentor, and Charlie Dempsey has things under control and the fans starting to go with him. But unfortunately, Gulak is going to deliberately send Dempsey into Hank Walker, knock him out on the floor, and that allows Gulak to gain the advantage and roll up Dempsey for the win. It was a sneaky victory by Gulak, but I want more character development for fans to really care about Gulak as a character, and Charlie Dempsey fits in that category as well because both guys can work at a high level, but give fans a reason to care about you either as a babyface or a heel, get the proper heat in order for this feud to get over at the end of the day. Next up is our main event featuring the Dyads, Rip Fowler and Jagger Reed versus Malik Blade and Idris Sanofe versus Andre Chase and Duke Hudson from Chase U. This match was a lot of fun and Idris Sanofe finally took off his shirt to reveal he did not have a WWE tattoo on his chest. He was trolling for a month. The reveal is over. His physique is back on full display because that would have been a choice if he really got that tattoo on his chest and decided to hide it out of shame, but it was all a joke which is fine, but don't try that shit again. This match was a lot of fun down the stretch as we had a Tower of Doom spot involving all three teams and Chase is going to be the guy to powerbomb everybody off the top rope in a pretty fun spot. He delivers a Garvin stump to Reed as well. Ava Rain gets on the apron to distract the referee, but in doing so, Thea Hale yanks her off the apron and that allows Andre Chase to make the hot tag to Duke Hudson, who is going to actually come through in the clutch as they do a double team move where Chase gives Reed a flatliner and Hudson covers Jagger Reed for the win as Chase U scores their biggest win to date they will be added to the nxt tag team championship match involving the champs the new day pretty deadly and gallus and that could be another show stiller this saturday at vengeance day the show ends with the new day congratulating chase you and putting the other teams on notice ahead of their tag team title defense on saturday they were live or taped via satellite to send that message accordingly and then the show wraps with a nice hype video promoting nxt visions day the biggest nxt event ever allegedly i don't buy that but this would be the most important one for this crew leaving florida at night to do a show in north carolina in a big arena there should be about 4,000 5,000 fans there it is going to be a different atmosphere should be a very fun show and hopefully it will be a parameter to see how WWE is going to handle NXT running shows quarterly on the road I hope the show is a success because I would love to see different venues host NXT every two months and I think that will help the talent get over in a bigger way at the exact same time so all in all I thought this was an all right show 
a nice way to set up Vengeance Day on Peacock this weekend. And I hope that as soon as the show's over, we set the tone for Stand and Deliver because I have to believe that NXT is going to bring back the Dusty Rhodes Cup for the men and women. And I hope that the women actually care about earning a shot at the tag team titles and not forfeit them for the NXT Women's Championship. Yes, I'm so agitated about that. That was the first time I ever started a show from the end to the beginning, and I was frustrated. So hopefully that does not happen again whenever the Dusty Cup resumes on NXT television. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 102 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT, followed by the Sweetest Sessions, which drops your way every Monday morning right here on WST as well. You know what to do, such Receptopia, and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneUp, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 98 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. Until then, enjoy your hump day. Stay safe out there, and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.